I, w- I was joking earlier, you know, with someone. I'm not quite as fast as I usually am. I'm not going to be quite as animated tonight as I usually am. But on the other side of things, tonight I'm going to use my most dangerous illustration I've ever done in here. The most dangerous illustration ever. Um, and the bright side about trying to use the most dangerous illustration ever, especially since my leg's not quite up to what it is be, said so it's the most dangerous illustration ever. I'm going to ask Brother Magnarella to help me. So that's how it goes, right? You need something dangerous? Get Brother Magnarella. Get Jason, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> not as many people laughed at that as I thought we were going to. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, um, 1 Corinthians 3.11, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ. Now, if any man will build upon this foundation gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved. But so is by fire. Let's pray and jump into it tonight, shall we? Uh, dear Heavenly Fathers, we look at this great passage. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we think about the kids singing and with this message together, that we would consider our lives being gold, silver, and precious stones, or if we're just building with wood, hay, and stubble, what is our life going to mean in, re- in regards to eternity? Lord, help us leave today better than what we came in like. And we love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. Praise in your name. Amen. So as we look at the passage here, you know, I, I, I just really love this passage I decided to see that, that song right there kind of ties right into it very, very directly, right? Isn't that great how that, you know, how that works? And when we look at this passage, you know, it's talking about having our works tried by fire. Now, of course, this is talking about the judgment seat of Christ, not the great white throne judgment. Um, this, we're not talking here about the judgment of the sinners. We're talking about the trial of the saints. Um, as we think about... Um, the, the great white throne judgment, um, their, works will be, their works will be judged. And I thought about the other day. You know, so many people think, well, I'm a good person. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure God looks at my works. Really? He, he does. And that's scary. If we were to be judged according to our works, or if our holiness was to be judged according to our works, that's a scary thought, isn't it? The Bible says over in Revelation chapter 20, it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it, for whom's face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, both small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. It says in, um, in verse 14, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. For those people who have never had an experience where they've come to Jesus and they've asked him, Jesus, will you forgive me my sins? For those who have said, well, I think I'm good enough to get to heaven. 
I think God will weigh my good deeds and my bad deeds together. I was looking at something recently. I think it was from the Jehovah's Witnesses, where they thought that we're to put the good works and the bad works on a scale. And I, a couple remind me a few weeks earlier, I was looking at something about the Egyptians, and they thought the exact same thing. Isn't it funny how the devil uses the same lie? The people thinking that their good works and their bad works will be judged, well, no. It's not a matter of being good or bad. It's a matter of being justified, a matter of being pure, a matter of being sinless, or of breaking God's law. The judgment seat of Christ, or the great white throne judgment, is a time when the unsaved will get judged. And if someone in here today doesn't have a time when they can look back to saying, this is the moment I got saved, this is the moment where I remember God washed my sins away. If you've not had that experience, that has to be tonight. We never know how long our lives will be. That song starts off with, you know, our life is but a vapor, which comes from the book of James, right? It appears for a little while and vanishes away. We've got to make sure that we, that we have our sins forgiven. Not that we're good enough to have them taken care of, or maybe my good works will die through my bad works, but that we have a time when we've been forgiven. But that's not what this passage here is talking about. I want to make sure before we begin that we realize this message is a message to Christians. If you're not saved, this message means nothing to you. Here it's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. When we come to Christ and he rewards his servants for their stewardships. If he comes back and looks at those that have been faithfully serving him, and judges them according to their faithfulness, according to what they've done for him. This is to the Christian tonight. And to the Christian tonight, I want to start off by asking you, what is your life going to mean in a thousand years from now? A thousand years is a long time, right? Think about a thousand years ago, you know, literally, it's 2019, and 1019 was quite a different place, wasn't it? What is your life going to mean after you're gone? What is your life going to be, you know, what is your life truly going to mean? What influences will your life have on eternity? I thought about, I'm going to have fun with this one, Genevieve, oh man, I should have practiced some more, Dradowitz, I hope that's right. Genevieve was born in 1919. She lived in Illinois her entire life. At age 40, she gave birth to a little boy. Can you imagine, 40 years old? giving birth, well, she decided not to keep the child. She went over in Chicago to, a, um, to the Catholic hospital and dropped off that baby, and we don't know the rest of her story. That's her life summed up in that sort of sentence. We know about her because she is my wife's dad's birth mother. That's her whole story. A hundred years ago. It should be a hundred this year. Those are the facts about her. What is your life going to mean for eternity? What is your life going to end up being once you're no longer here? What influence will your life still carry? Tonight, I want to talk to you about building your life for eternity. To be something like gold, silver, and precious stones. Something with value to it. You know, when I started um, looking out at this message and looking at this scripture, something interesting popped to my mind. Gold, silver, precious stones. How many times was gold and silver created? Well, 
It's a natural occurring element, right? Yeah, they refine it and everything. But really, gold, silver, and precious stones were created once. Wood, hay, and stubble? All the time, right? It's, it's a crop. It's something that appears all the time. We're looking at the two different kinds, then, of building materials. That which is temporary and that which is eternal. What is your life going to mean for eternity? What are you going to build upon it? Again, that foundation is Jesus. We said this message is for the Christian. What are you going to build for eternity? What is your life going to matter when it's no longer here? Today I want to look at the two different kinds of building materials that we can build our life upon. The two different kinds of building materials. The pastor made a comment a couple weeks ago, and as I, I had this message already written and everything at that point, pastor made a joke that usually if a pastor comes up to the platform and comes up and says, I have 17 points. He says, you'll know it's going to be a fast message because he has a lot to talk about. He says, when there's only two points, that's when you have something to worry about. Right? <laughs> so hopefully, well, I'm not going to make any promises. I'm just going to end it right there. <laughs> so let's tonight look at the two different types of building materials that our lives will be built to last, something that's going to last. The first type is that which is temporary. We can, there's some building materials out there that we said, the wood, the hay, the stubble, they come up every year and they get harvested basically annually, maybe every little bit. And I think about that which is temporary. I think about that, I think of stuff that happens in this life. Our life is so temporary, so short, isn't it? Are you living your life for that which is temporary? For the stuff that's just going to be around while you are? Let's look at the building materials that mentions here that are temporary and use that as a reference point. The first temporary building material it says here was wood. Wood. You know, when I think about the wood here, I think of how it's invested, how you're investing their life just wrong. Um, Brother Jason, did I leave it up here? I'm going to use a little help tonight for everything as I try to do it all. Thank you. I didn't remember where these got left. This is a piece of wood. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> this is a piece of wood I specifically chose. Do you recognize it, Brother Vara? <laughs> I used a piece of wood from the building material out there. Hey, we can take some wood. And when I, well, of course, when we hear this, we see the wood hitting something, we instantly think of all of the bad stuff, right? Let's take a minute. Wood. Why did I use a piece of wood from out there? Because you can build some really cool things out of wood, can't you? What, what Brother Var has been doing out there, Brother Var, you are doing some really cool things out there. I love the little, the, the step going on there with the lights. I mean, Brother Jason, I'll let you hold on to this for a minute as you get fun with it. <laughs> when, I, when I think about wood, you can do some really cool things with wood. I was at someone's house. I can't remember who it was. It was one of the church members' house. I want to say... It was Miss Olson, and she had this beautiful china cabinet that her husband, whoever it was, I know it was one of the senior saints. I am blanking on whose house I was at. I'm pretty sure it was Miss Olson's. Um, her husband had built this china cabinet. It was a really cool-looking china cabinet, completely out of wood, without a single nail. He had cut the wood to do, help me out, help me out with cod, with was it dowels and chisels, and um, the way it interlocks. Say it again. Dovetails. Thank you. (laughs) 
he had all this, the way that he built this thing was so cool and so greatly designed that this china cabinet didn't have any nails in it. It had been built in such a way that it would last for a long time. We can build something with wood that lasts for a long time. My house was built in 1905. We can build something for our life with our life that will last for a while. Could even outlast us. I don't know if the I don't think the person who originally built my house is still alive. Um, I know the guy who lived in the house before me isn't. Um, our, we can build something with our lives that will outlast us for a little while but are still just temporary. I think of been taking the, with that wood, I think of building something in their life that's temporary. They're investing their life, but they're investing it wrong. What do I mean? So many times Christians, or people today, not just Christians, but especially Christians, will live their life in a way where they are working on making something great out of their life. They are saving up, they are working hard so they can have a nice car. They're saving up, they are working hard so they can have a great retirement. They can go on these fancy vacations. They're working on building riches. They're working on building influences. They're working on things that will be just around them for a little while. But in the end, really are kind of worthless, are kind of pointless. It's not a sin necessary to be rich. But what are you doing with the riches God entrusts you with? What are you, when, what are you building that's going to last for more than just while you're here, or maybe just while your kids are here. Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's not to say it's sin to have something nice or have a nice car, but what are you doing with it? Are you living your life just trying to build up your 401k? I mean, how, how sad would it be to, have, to invest more in your 401k than you did in missions throughout your life? That should be a sad thought for a Christian. Bible says here in the passage... For the day, um, um, yeah. For every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. One day, this earth will be destroyed. One day, everything on this planet, adios, bye. TTFN, Avidaze, Shalom, whatever you want to use. Um, one day, everything that we've worked so hard on will be gone. When I think of the wood, I think of, some, uh, I think of something that may be great for now, but it's only going to last for a short time. I want to get this very dramatic into your mind. I think Miss Claudia knows exactly where I'm going with this, right? Brother Jason, Bible says... The day shall declare it, for it shall be tried by fire. Brother Jason, light it on fire. Don't worry. I brought a fire extinguisher. (laughs) We can build some really nice things with our life. We can go and make sure we have a nice home. We can go and make sure we have a nice car. We can go and do all these things. One day... It's going to be tried by fire. Now, I'm going to ask him to put it out a little bit just so we don't set off the smoke alarms. One day, this world will be destroyed. Revelations 21.1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. 
Bible tells us to set our affection on things which are above and not on the earth. We're not talking about just making, I don't want to just make my life as, an, as a one-time investment in something really cool, then we'll just be destroyed at the end of the world. We can live our lives so wrapped up in that which is temporary, these temporary pleasures in this world, yet in the end, we'll look at it and say, I invested my life wrong. I, I missed out on spending time with my kids because I took the overtime and they kept taking the overtime and completely missed out on that which is important. I invested my life wrong as I was, as I laid myself full of debt so I could go on these fancy vacations. And when it came time to give to a, the church building offering, I couldn't spare anything because I was so far down in debt. We miss out on God's opportunities. I don't want my life to, when, it, when the day comes and it will be tried by fire. Oh, but, I, I worked at, man, you should see my house. It is a nice house. Hey, I made it so I could pay for my kids to go through college. Great. What did you do for world missions? What did you do for the bus ministry? What did you do that's actually going to matter in a thousand years from now? You see, stuff on this earth won't matter in a thousand years from now. If the Lord tarries for a thousand years, we won't be remembered. Name, can anyone name me seriously one person that lived in 1019? No, right? If we are living just for something that's around us, God, it will one day be destroyed by fire. We can invest our whole life wrong if we're just investing in what we can see right here in front of us. If we're investing in our houses, we're investing in trying to get the nicest cars or these pleasures in this world, whatever those pleasures for you are, whatever you're trying to take the time in, if we are just investing in something that's in temporary... Hey, the day's going to come by fire, and it's going to be destroyed. We can't be so worried about things, vacations, pleasures, because those are just so fleeting. And one day, it will be destroyed. I look at the passage here, and I see the wood. And I thought, well, there's some cool things you could do from wood. Yeah. But I, one day, it's, the wood's going to burn. If I'm just investing on some cool things... Living a life for pleasures. I'm investing my life just wrong. The next thing we see here is hay. It mentions here. Wood, hay. When I think about the hay, I think of investing unwisely. When I think of hay, what the first thing that comes to my mind is the panic. Is let's get this thing taken care of. It's the survival instinct. A lot of times when it comes to um, the agricultural, hay is kind of a thing they use almost... It's a quick thing. It happens really quick. Whether it's trying to feed the animals or trying to chop it down really quickly. When I think of hay, I really think of stuff that's just trying to, people that are just trying to survive. You know, a lot of times you'll see in shows and stuff that they always give like hay to horses and everything like that. You know, hay's not the, really the best thing for horses. I look back at Miss Wolf knowing she's had some horses before, right? There's really many other things you need to give to a horse to make it survive, but hay will do in a panic. Just... Give them something so they survive. Maybe that's right, but we're, we're going through it. And I think about people whose lives are just like that. Man, Pastor David, I'm not trying to... David, I'm not giving more money to my 401k than missions. I don't even have a 401k. But I, I'm not. I mean, I'm just trying to make sure the lights don't get turned off by the end of the week. You ever been there? How about being emotionally broke, too? I mean, I, I tell you what. I just get so emotionally... I don't have anything more to give. I've just been spent. Ever been there? 
when we were having those miscarriages, one right after another after another, I got to that point where I was like, I, I just don't know how much I can give at this point. I just need to take because I am just broke spiritually or emotionally. Some people live their life like a roller coaster. They go ups and then the downs and the excitements and then the panics and then twisting and turning. And man, when I think about it, you know, life doesn't have to be from one emergency to the next emergency to the next emergency. Life doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, sure, there'll be some ebbs and flows in life. Sure, why not? But it doesn't have to be a panic. It doesn't have to be something where we're running around so scared. When I think about the hay and just trying to survive, I think about those who have invested their lives just unwisely. People going around and choosing to invest their lives and invest their time in the wrong things. I thought of Martha, right, over in Luke 10.41, complaining, well, why isn't Mary just sitting down and let you feed me? I'm so busy over here. Jesus told her in Luke 10.41, Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled out with many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part and which shall not be taken away from her. When I think about situations where people are just living their life in a panic and one problem to another problem, it's really because they're sitting there and they're choosing and they're investing unwisely in their lives. They're sitting there and are just going from one problem to another problem. Well, well, how do we get out of that then? One of the things I think is very interesting, if you ever get to work with a lot of homeless people, it is, there actually can be quite hard to break away from that cycle of homelessness because there's so many things, okay, well, now I've made enough to be able to do this. Well, you know, I have now have enough money where... I'm making $10 an hour. Great, you made $10 an hour. Now we can, you know, cut your medical... And the government says, great, we can cut your medical needs. And now you're like, well, now I have to pay for this. And there could be a trap there. And really, how do we get out of that? Well, you start making the godly choices. Maybe it's not a financial thing. We're just going from one panic situation, one, pro- one family problem, from one family problem to one family problem. How do we get away from that? By choosing that which is godly. You know, we need to choose to do the most godly thing. Not always the funnest thing, not always the most convenient, not always just a good thing. What's well, a good thing to do? It's good to spend time with your family. Yeah, but you skip out on church to go with the family. You didn't choose the godly thing, and that will lead from panic to panic. We need to choose Christ over everything. Jesus said over in Matthew 10:37, He that loveth father or mother more than me, he's not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me, is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not up his cross and followeth after me, is not worthy of me. A lot of times we live our life just trying to survive. We're running around from one panic situation to the other panic situation. How do we get away from that? We start choosing that which is godly. We start saying, you know what? I wanna, I'm going to make sure that I'm putting God first in everything. In my work, I'm not... if. You know, if work conflicts with church, I'm doing church. If, if we're having a family event and that can, the family event confides with some, doing something godly, I'm going to choose God over the Bible. I'm going to choose the most godly thing. Our lives just live too often, too often people will live their lives going from one emergency, from one panic, and it's, hey, if you'll stop and you'll realize I'm just going to do the godly thing, that's going to solve most of those panics, 
Most of those problems, well, it may not be easy to begin with. Change never is, right? So you try to adjust to something, it's never easy to adjust. But if we're choosing the godly things, watch. The, the more and more you choose that which is godly, you start investing wisely. Those panics, well, they, they start taking care of themselves. The, those emergencies which were so dramatic start to disappear. We're no longer living as one panic, another panic. No, I'm going to choose the most godly thing to do. You know, I know that at that family event, there's going to be alcohol. You know what? I don't want my kids to be around. I'm going to choose the most godly thing. Sorry, guys, I can't make it. Well, well, don't that cause a problem with the family? It shows you it's the priority. And soon, really, I've been in those kind of situations. You start saying, no, I'm going to choose the godly first. And over time, you know what happens? Well, they need to start to respect you more. When they go through those panics... You're the one that they're going to call out for, right? When they see you doing that which is godly, they're going to be the ones that says, I want that. They're investing their lives wisely. Hey, hey, I think of the hey, I think of a problem, a temporary problem. But really, if we are investing our lives, if we're just going, if we're just going to let our lives be controlled by one emergency over another, the day will come when it's tried by fire. Y'all know this is cool, right? <laughs> As we look at the hay, we go from one problem to another problem. It's going to create an emergency. Run! But if we start choosing that which is godly, I'm going to let you. <laughs> hey, the hay, hey, one day, all these problems, living from one panic to another problem, hey, truth of the matter, the fire will come and it will burn up. If we're living from problem to problem, when this earth is over in a thousand years from now, those problems aren't going to matter. But but I have a flat tire. It's an emergency. In a thousand years from now, will it matter? But but I have this family punish. They want me to go to this party and I'm going to make me miss church by but I don't want to ignore my family. In a thousand years from now, what will your life be invested in? Are we going to choose that which is godly? Or we can invest our lives from one problem to the other problem. We're just focused on those problems and end up going up in flames. We looked at the wood, investing just wrong. I'm just, going to, I'm just trying to make my life, my life nice and comfortable. We looked at the, hey, I'm just trying to panic. I'm just one emergency, emergency. What about the stubble? The stubble. When I think of the stubble, I think about those that just, they just won't invest. What is stubble? You know, something else on someone's face, right? Well, Stubble, according to the Bible, it's, it's the leftovers. It's the sawdust. It's the stalk of grain or reed after it's cut. There's your dictionary answer, right? It's the leftovers. It's the trash. It's the junk. And some people's lives, I don't mean to be moon, but that's kind of how it is. It's just kind of trash. It's just kind of the leftovers. It's what's left. What are you going to do with it? Well, I don't know. It's a reactionary life. This third group of people, they're not necessarily investing wrong. They're investing wrong and they're investing unwisely. But really the bad part is they're not trying to really invest their life in anything. We, we look at a lot of millennials today and we can point and make fun of a lot of millennials, right? You know, we, we think about them. What are you going to do with your life? I don't know. You're 37. Why are you still living at home? I'm just, you know, maybe, maybe the problem going on and trying to readjust something. But really, 
We look at them, if someone asks you, you know, what's your goal for your family in five years? The answer, I don't know, is a really scary answer. What, you know, what's your plan for your teenage son? I don't know, he doesn't go to jail. <laughs> no, um, it's the stubble. When I think of the stubble, I think of the trash. I think of the, the people that just, they just, I don't, I just don't know what to do. I'm just, I'm just left holding the sawdust. I just, it, it's something, it's a big flash in the pan. It's, it's, it's worthless. We think about people all the time who, we, we see this and they're like, well, what is your goal for your career? Get a paycheck. Well, what's your goal for your marriage? That you won't divorce me. Do you have a goal for life? I think of Romans 13, 11, and that knowing the time, now it is high time to awake out of our sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believed. When we live a life that is just, when we don't just make the plans for our life, when we just allow life to go as it goes, we end up with stubble. And Brother Jason, I'll call you back up for this one. Because we know what happens with stubble when it gets lit up, right? We had a fun one with this at the men's camp out a couple years ago. Our life ends up becoming just a flash in the pan that's there for just a moment and then disappears. That is pretty cool, right? (laughs) What is your plan for your life? What are your goals? What are you striving for? You know, we often make fun of the teenagers and millennials for this, right? But you you talk to some people, like, oh, I'm going to retire. What are you going to do after retirement? I don't know. What are you going to invest your time in? I don't know. I just don't want to work anymore. I don't blame you. But what are you going to invest your life in? I love, I love Paul's attitude. It says over in um, 2 Timothy 4, 6, he says in verse 6, I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. He was literally sitting in, the, sitting in jail, right? Literally waiting for his head to be cut off. He then says in verse 13, well, hey, you know the cloak I left at, he says, the cloak I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou come, bring with me and the books, but, hey, but especially the parchments. Paul was ready to die. He, I mean, he is literally waiting for the guard to come in and chop off his head. But Timothy, here's the plan. I want you to come over to me, um, grab my jacket, I might need that for this winter. Um, when you come, make sure you have the books so I can do some studying, but hey, make sure you have the parchments, especially those parchments. Aren't you ready to die? Yeah, I'm ready to die. But until I die, I'm going to do something great for God. Hey, what are you investing your life in? What is the plan for your life? What are your goals? What are you going towards? No one ever stumbles into greatness accidentally. It's always a choice. It's something that you can prove, according to Romans 12, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, I just don't know what I want out of my life. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth all men liberally and abradeth not. What, what is your end-all goal? I don't want my life just to be the big flash in the pan and then nothing. I want it to have some impact, some meaning. I don't want it to be just here and then suddenly gone. Boom! I, don't want, to, I want to make sure I'm investing my time, my family, my finances wisely. We look at the wood. I think it's something that's, man, 
look at this great thing. Look at this comforts that I have. Really? It's going to get burned by fire. I think about investing unwisely, the hay. No, I want my light. I want to be able to say, come up with a plan and invest it. I think of the stumble and people are like, well, I just don't know what to do. No, let's calm down. Let's come up with a plan. Let's stop. Instead of focusing on what is temporary, those pleasures around us, those, come up with a plan so then we can live for that which is eternal. Living life just for this life is completely fruitless. It's going to be tried by fire. And in that day, it's going to mean nothing. So I want to live my life for that which is everlasting. When I thought of the gold, silver, and precious stone, Brother Jason, one last time. You know, at first I was thinking, okay, where, where do in America do we normally get gold, silver, and precious stones? Well, I think with gold and precious stones, most ladies have that on their hands, right? Should I try with this with a wedding ring? I ain't that stupid. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I have a gold rock. Got it from MBT, right? When I think about gold, silver, and precious stones, you know what's interesting about them? They don't burn. Yeah, they they can melt. We can form them into stuff. Um, It don't burn. It lasts. It continues. That's what I want my life to be in the end. Something that lasts, something that has an impact, something that in a thousand years from now, I'll be saying, man, I am so glad. At that judgment day, Jesus will look down as the the song sung a minute ago. I will hear my father say, welcome home, my child, well done. And that's what I want my life to end up being. I want God to say, you got it. I want a thousand years from now to to know that my life was spent investing in that which is eternal. Gold, silver, and precious stones. Let's look about how our lives can be spent for eternity. How our lives then really can affect eternity, can can affect forever. The first thing I thought about is if we spend our time walking with God, spend our time walking. You know, if you want your life to mean something, and a thousand years from now, we have to spend time walking with God now. If it's going to matter in a thousand years, we need to spend time now with God. We need to be able not just to be someone who lives just the top in Christian life, but have a deep Christian life. I thought of deeper prayer, asking God for the impossible. When was the last time you asked God for something that only God could do? Uh, Jeremiah thirty-two twenty-seven. 27. Uh, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Jesus said then, we, we agree with that, right? There is nothing too hard for God. John fourteen fourteen. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Is there anything too hard for God? No, right? What have you asked him to do then? I heard a preacher, I, have, I don't know who it was. Um, say, the only hindrance to our prayers is our sin and our silence. I thought that was pretty good. The only hindrance to our prayers is our sin. He said, your sin has hid your face from me. 
But in our silence, well, I, I can't ask God for that. I don't, I don't think he would really answer that. And we can ask them prayers that God won't answer because the, the, the prayers are just amiss. They're just wrong. I used a classic illustration. Back when I lived in Las Vegas, I had a coworker who would pray that God would give her a monster truck. Why did she want the monster truck? So she could run over traffic. She was tired of waiting in traffic. God's not going to answer that prayer. And we're glad God ain't going to answer that prayer. But if we're really asking God, God, I need you to do this. There's no other solution but unless you come and you do it. What is the biggest, most outrageous prayer, godly prayer, that you've ever asked for? When we come and say, God, with man, this is impossible. But not with God. God, I need you to do this. And it can only be you. Here's the, here's the, the, the turn race set then. What has been your biggest answer to prayer? If you look, when you look back on your life, what, what's been that biggest answer to prayer? There, there's an old book that says, that's called, I think it was John R. Rice, that says prayer, prayer, asking and receiving. What, what has been the biggest answer to your prayers? Well, I, I don't know. I don't have any great stories like that. Are you asking for them? It's not hard, too hard for God. Are we asking for those deeper, God, I'm going to spend time walking you in prayer. God, I'm going to spend time walking with you in study. I want to make sure that it's, I'm not just reading my Bible, checking it off. But I can, I can really get to know you. One of the most challenging verses in the Bible to me is Philippians 3.10. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. There's so much in that verse. I'm thinking being conformed to his death, thinking to know the power of his resurrection. Are we really desiring that, to spend time walking with God, to jump in the Bible? Are we spending time saying, God, I'm not going to stop reading until you show me something that I've never learned before. When was the last time you were blown away by your Bible reading? You're like, man, just man. If we're really going to have a life that lasts for eternity, we need to spend time walking with him, to have that deeper prayer, to have that deeper relationship with him. Not just, well, this is the same thing I've done for the last 30 years. No, do something deeper. Then I thought about serving God wholeheartedly. Serving wholeheartedly. I've been challenged so much recently by this thought of, what does God value the most? People. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What matters to God more than anything else is people. If we want to have an impact for eternity, we need to be involved with people. We need to serve God with our whole heart. To serve God living for people. When I was in Ohio recently, um, they announced the death of a young man who was part of that ministry. He... um. I don't. His aunt and uncle to go to that church. He he had a drug problem, so they sent him to the RU home out in Illinois. Right. He came back, got his heart right with God, and slipped right back into the drugs. And it got him. They they, they announced his OD while we were there. Here's a question for you: Was the money the church invested in sending him to the RU home pointless? Absolutely not. But it, he, he didn't get healed. He didn't overcome that sin. 
but they invested in a person. They invested in that life. Loving people will sometimes end in pain. It did for Jesus, right? Yet, in the end, it is the most Christ-like way to live. I thought of the verse, for when we, um, Romans 5, 6, from when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Hey, if we're going li- to live for God, to live for God means to live to serve. You know, I thought of, it makes me think of James one twenty seven. If you ever, the really true way to prove religion, you know, is your religion real? Is it worthwhile? Romans or uh, James one twenty seven kind of gives us the test for it. Pure religion, and it says, "An undefiled before God and the Father is this." If you want to see if your religion is pure, if it's spotless before God, it's to do this. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep thyself unspotted from the world. How, if you, you, how pure is your religion? When was the last time you visited a widow? When was the last time you went to a childless father in the, in the middle of their panic and spent their time, and spent time investing in them? When is your religion real? It's when you're taking time to invest in someone else. Yes, we need to keep ourselves unspotted from this world, to keep ourselves separated from the sin, but it's then to go to people and to invest our lives truly into them. That's really the test to how pure and how true your religion is, is how much are you investing in someone that can't give back to you, in someone that can't do something nice for you, to visit the the widows and the fatherless in their affliction, by the way, if you want to come in out, if you want to be able to improve on that, Tuesday nights we'll send you to a widow's house. We'll send you on Saturday mornings. We'll send you to the fatherless, and we'll help you, and we'll help you one on one try to develop that real religion. Real religion is when we're out there living like Christ, and He was willing to do everything. And having I'm going to mess this verse up. I didn't write it down. Just Holy Spirit bring to my mind. And having loved His own, He loved them to the end. He was willing to go to the cross. For his own. He was willing to love that much. Are we going to be willing to serve God, to have an internal impact by serving Him and therefore serving others wholeheartedly? God, I'm going to do, I'm going to spend my life spending, being spent on people. Yeah, but I might get burned. Yeah? Jesus has got, Jesus hurt serving people. But in the end, it is the purest form of our religion. It is the purest form of our relationship with God. We need to make sure if we want to have an eternal impact, we've got to spend the time walking with God. We need to serve Him wholeheartedly. God, I'm not just doing this for show. God, I'm doing this from the heart. And really, in, in the end tonight, we need to be submitted onto His will. God, whatever it is, it's you. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to follow you no matter where it goes. To have no priorities over him. I look at Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, right? Some of the greatest men ever. If you look at them, though, their priorities were all Christ. I think of, when I think of Hebrews 11, I thought about um, Moses. When he looked at the riches of Egypt, he said, you know, I'd rather suffer affliction with the people of God. I'm, you know, God... I'm willing to go, instead of being a prince, to be a slave 
if that means I can be closer to you. These people were willing to submit themselves onto anything for God. Um, the missionary C.T. Studd one time said, the famous quote, Some people want to live within the sound of a, within the sound of a church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Are we going to be completely submitted to doing whatever God wants, wherever he wants us to? God, there is nothing over you. It should be that way because we're not living our lives for ourselves. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Is your life really Christ living in you? The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. Are we going to be fully submitted unto God's will? Moses said, you know, that he esteemed the reproaches of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Man, you are a prince. No. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. There's the famous song out there. You know, I'd rather have Jesus, right? I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'm going to completely mess it up as I try to sing it off the top of my head. I'd rather be his than have riches untold, goes on the course, than to be the king of a vast domain. What is really, what is going to be in life? Are you going to be submitted to his will to serve him, no matter what it would cost? And then really serve him without hesitation. God, I'm really going to do anything you want me to do, to give my all and all for you. God, there's nothing more important to me than you, and there's nothing that's going to hold me back from you. Are, do, we consider God, do we consider God worthy of serving? If we're going to think God's worthy, we have to say, God, I'm going to serve now without hesitation. So sometimes people will say, well, I, I would serve if pastor asked me to serve. Yeah, if pastor asked me to do something, I'd go do it, right? Well, do you have to really wait? There's a need. Can you stand up and go do it? Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, 8, when he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Well, said, then said I, hey, God, do you have something to do? I'll go and do it. When those needs come up in the church, are you saying, God, I will serve you without hesitation? You know, it's great to have to be asked to serve in a ministry, but I'm going to say, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be submitted. Whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. You are literally designed to serve God. That is part of your whole, the reason you were made. Then where is the trust then that we're instead of say, God, I'm going to be submitted onto you, nothing else but you. What is our life going to mean for eternity? I love the passage here. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. One day it's going to be tried. We're going to get to the judgment seat and our works will be tried. We try to make the very clear illustration tonight of making this passage alive, right? Brother Jason lit stuff on fire in church. That's pretty cool, right? You know what the end result is going to be, though? I've been preaching for about 14 years. Here's what's going to end up being for most people. A funny story. Do you all remember the time when Pastor Levine had Jason lights up on fire in church? That was cool, right? And that's it. It'll be something they talk about for the next few years and then forget about it. When, you, when it comes to a message like this, most people, they'll come and say, Dad, that was cool. There's this illustration. 
but it won't make an impact. This passage has been affecting my heart for so long now. I can remember, it was on a, I was working here one day, I was upstairs, I was cleaning the fellowship hall, nobody else was here, and just time after time again, just going back to this passage, back to this passage, and literally just kneeling up there in the, the pulpit in the fellowship hall, and saying, God, I want to make sure my life is spent for eternity. When I originally was starting to write this message, you know, I really got put on my heart. If you're going to live a life that's fully dedicated to me, without a presentation, says, you're going to need to step out some more. You're going to need to go do something greater. When I, when I started working on this, I'm actually originally here, was going to announce my stepping out into doing something more. Many of you have served wholeheartedly for a long time. Many of you have spent your time walking with God. Many of you really have submitted onto his will. But are we going to keep doing it? Is it just a one-time situation? It was a, well, yeah, I mean, I can tell you back in a couple years ago when I did this. Is it a flash? Is it a one-time fire? Or is it going to be purified? The silver, the gold, gets purified throughout times. Going back to that fire, we've got to come back to these kind of messages. Say, well, I'm living my life for God. I'm trying to live for what's eternal. Go back. Say, God, what's stopping me? Is there anything where I'm not doing the best thing for you today? There are things that are good. We, we can do things which are good and acceptable. But I want that perfect will of God. And that adjusts. I, when, I, when I was younger, when I was in Bible college... I used to think the perfect will of God was like a, a one-time thing. You went and you got the job and you, you just you did that one thing for the rest of your life. You know, God called me to the nursery. I'm going to stay in the nursery until I'm 97 years old. God called me to work in the bus ministry. I'm going to stay there. That's great. And there's a lot to be said about sticking to it. Um, I think of Titus. Stay, or is that Timothy? First Timothy. Stay in Crete. Is that Timothy or Titus? Titus, thank you. <laughs> there's something great about staying right where you're supposed to be called. But we need to stop and consider ourselves. Hey, am I doing now... The best thing for God. Something interesting. Brother Var has been working out there. Brother Var, you've been doing a really good job. He hasn't just been working with wood, though. I used that piece of wood from the project. That's not the only material he's been working with. We had that big old piece of steel we put up there to expand it. Um, there's been a sheetrock. There's been wood. There's been um, compound. There's been electrical out, you know, configurations. What am I saying? It's been different materials. I thought about this building. What are we building in our lives? It's not always just going to be our lives. Maybe we're doing great in the one area. We have the gold in the one area. How's How's the walk, though? Are we building with wood in another area? Mixed materials. We can't just say, well, I've done this one thing for a while. No, we need to go back and need to adjust and fix and make sure that that our whole lives, not just the main big things we can think about, but our whole lives are set. So when it's tried by fire, it'll come forth as gold. It'll be worthwhile. If there is a house built with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, and when the fire came, oh yeah, like gold, silver, precious stones would remain. When that, bur- when that wood burns, well, I'm, I am living my life, but I'm not really given to missions like I should. 
I'll throw some bucks towards the missionaries when they're here, but I'm not really doing it much more. Well, I, you know, I, I'm, live, I'm giving great towards missions, but I really don't want to go out soul wanting. That's just kind of weird, going door to door. I just, I just don't want to. If a house was built with different kind of materials like that, and it was tried by fire, when that wood hand stubble disappears, the house will collapse. We need to make sure that our, every aspect of our life is gold, silver, and precious stones. We don't want mixed material. Some mixed material will even will collapse when tried by fire. If it's not, if we are, if there is anything hesitating us from God, and we're not giving our best to God, then it's not gold, silver, and precious stone. As we transition to the um, to the invitation, I asked Mrs. Russo if she would play that song again during the invitation and help us think. Is our life set up completely dedicated to gold, silver, precious stones? What areas need to be adjusted to make sure that we are living our lives to the fullest for God, that every area of my life will be gold, silver, and precious stone? Let's listen in a word of prayer, shall we? Lord, as we, as we come to this passage, I know I've just been so taught on it, so deep into it, thinking, what is my life going to matter? Well, I, I've been doing a good work, but was it the best work? I pray, Lord God, that we would come to this message and not just want to live for something that's temporary, just for these pleasures that are going to last for, you know, 20, 30, 100 years, but really make a difference for eternity so that, so, so that when the fire comes, we will be that gold, silver, and precious stone. Lord, help us to evaluate our lives that it won't just be gold in one area and hay in the other area. Gold in one aspect, silver in one aspect, but just stubble in another. Lord, help us to build our lives for Jesus Christ. And we love you, Lord. We thank you. Praise things your name. Pastor.